everyone and welcome to the Soil CRC Knowledge Sharing Project Extension Series. I'm your host Simon Kruger, Knowledge Sharing Project Grower Group Participant and Project Communications Officer at the West Midlands Group in Western Australia. This is one of four Extension Series companion podcast episodes where I sit down with other participating Grower Group representatives and reflect on some of the key learnings from across the Knowledge Sharing Project. Joining us today, it is my absolute pleasure to be sitting down with Central West Farming Systems CEO, Diana Fear. Diana, how's it going? Very well, thanks, Simon. It's my pleasure to be here with you today as well. Excellent. Thank you so much. Now, you're a familiar face to me, obviously, because we catch up every month for the Knowledge Sharing Project. But for those who don't know, how about you introduce yourself and your role? Hi everyone. So as Simon mentioned, I'm Diana Fear and I'm Central West Farming Systems, which is a farming systems organisation based in Condobolin in the central west of New South Wales. I am their CEO and I've been CEO now for five and a half years. And so for a little extra context for people that are listening in, whereabouts is Condobolin in relation to maybe some some big centres such as Sydney along those lines and then what kinds of farmers and farming systems are you working with at CWFS? You just saw me squirming because it's not Condobolin. (laughs) Condobolin, so I'm just just making a correction there everybody. So Condobolin (laughs) is actually dead centre of New South Wales. So it's the centre of New South Wales. So we are we're, we're about 500 kilometres west from Sydney. Mm. One of our major centres probably is east of us, it's Orange. And then we mm. have two townships, well, no, three townships nearby. It's one west, which is West Wyalong, that's an hour away. And we have Parks, which is east, another hour away. And Forbes, which is southeast, another hour away. So mm. Condobolin has about 3,000 people in the town and mm-hmm. surrounding farms. So it's small, but it's a very cohesive community. And what kind of soil types are you working with there? Since this is a soil CRC conversation, I guess that's probably a good thing to start with. We've got all types of soil. So we have some heavier clays and we have mm. some lighter red sandy soils. So we have the Lachlan River and Goobang Creek goes through our region. So if you're on the river, of course, you've got heavier soils. And then mm. for the west, it's, it's that lighter sandier red soil. And most of our farmers are mixed farmers. Mm-hmm. I would say 94 Five percent of farmers around here are mixed and we have it's predominantly winter cropping we have cotton growers there with with that irrigation capacity that we have and i'm just trying to think if we've got anything else it's a bit different but no i think that covers it actually and mixed farming generally speaking is a is a larger number of sheep sheep producers or is it sheep and beef as well yeah sheep and beef so um on my farm our farm my husband's farm we've got Mm. cattle and no sheep and just cropping and we've got some irrigation so we have just got some irrigated wheat this year and some loosen so we'll be baling a lot of that loosen up because it's actually a drought at the moment so feed could get quite scarce in the future now i was going to ask another question first but i think you're saying just now that it's coming into a drought probably a pretty good lead-in for this you know the crux of this conversation you talk about being in a drought now and 
correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, last year, you know, 2022, there was some pretty significant flooding through New South Wales. So if you could maybe tell us a little bit about how you were able to bring landholders in your region together post flooding and in general about engagement during challenging times, because it sounds like you're moving into another challenging time right at the moment with drought. Yeah, thanks, Simon. We are, and I reckon, you know, we're a pretty tough lot out here. We're used to droughts, so that's nothing mm. unusual. But last year was, um, you know, we, we were devastated by by major flooding and it was unprecedented in this area. And look, that really, that was the result of really three wet years, so there was no ever mm. the water to run, huge rainfall events that kept um, topping up Wyangla Dam and they would have to spill and and, and the sort of the, the the complete kind of, it, it all fell apart in November which was unusual because we were coming into the hotter weather and mm. look we had some small floods during the year and I think we all just thought okay we've, we've, we're just going to be okay then there was five inches of rain in the catchment and that was part of that devastating Yugara situation where people were killed and that water went through mm. at a million miles an hour so that event the, the you know five inches into the into the catchment they had to spill water was flowing everywhere so yeah mm-hmm. it just just came through and and pretty much devastated you know quite a lot of a lot of the area so um and i think you're talking about i mean i was talking about how cohesive the community is so mm. situations like that it, it's it's tough it's so different from the drought people were very isolated in the flood because you just you couldn't access roads you couldn't leave your home or people were you know camping in the woolshed if the flood had already gone through their homes mm-hmm. so and people were isolated for months really some of the back roads were just cut off for a long long time so it was really challenging and I've never seen anything like it and so I was you know even on on our farm it was just devastating and and the water that was going through was just white water it was it was rushing through so in terms of yeah, as an organisation, did, did you just yeah, did everything well, as an organisation, yeah, so we couldn't, all our trials were underwater, so there was nothing we could mm. do, we, there were no workshops, we really, and look, funding bodies were fantastic, so they understood the situation, there was just nothing, it was really hard for our staff, because they'd put in a lot of work to these trials, and it happened in November, so, you know, we still thought, sort of, you know, even early November, we were going to be able to get some good results, so mm. everything was just on hold. But, you know, like at, at these sort of difficult times, people are amazing. The, mm. the level of cooperation and support and help for everybody, you know, and there's always someone worse off than you. So you'd sort of, you know, people that weren't as flooded as um, we're on the river, so we got quite badly flooded. So people that were sort of not on the river would all, all come down and, you know, fill mm. sandbags and, and that's that sort of level of cooperation. So it was a really, it was devastating, but it was an amazing it was amazing to see how people behaved and reacted, and, and and would you say that's kind of built resilience in your community as well? I mean, it's it come together after a terrible, terrible natural disaster like that. It's it, it must build like a real sense of community, but also create extra resilience in the people that are still there. You know, post the flooding. Yeah, I mean that's a really interesting question, Simon, because it can build resilience, but it mm. also can create um, less resilience in some people so I just think it, mm. it depends on that 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 individual some of their experiences uh, you know it might be the straw that 
break the camel's back almost. Other people, it will build resilience. So I think everybody has a different outcome from from the flood. But I I think it's certainly built a a more resilient community, Mm. you know, that really wants to help each other and make sure that everybody's okay. And so... You know, if we're talking about this from a, a knowledge sharing perspective and from a project perspective, it's post flooding in 2022. And obviously, as an organization that is a, a grower group, you want to engage with your growers again. You know, what did you learn in that period of time? How did you pick, pick up the organization and get back into engaging with, with your landholders and, and, and with your farmers and, and trying to get things back on the road? Look, I think after the sort of the flood subsided, it was a really key, well, it was key for us to engage our growers and we would probably, I'd say it, it, it was really more of a social social events we organised. It really wasn't mm-hmm. around trials or research. It was just trying to keep every, just, just ascertaining everybody's okay and, and being the conduit to say, okay, we're going to have um, a pub night or we're going to do mm-hmm. this and everybody would come in and, and chat and... I think that was sort of just building that community again of, um, mm. I mean, everyone was a bit shell-shocked. So I think we all just needed to get together and have some sort of normal behaviour, which was sitting down having mm. a meal at the pub. So I think, and and, and from <laughs> there, yeah, yeah, it, it was just, it was just, together. yeah, I mean, because centralist farming systems, it's not only a, you know, agricultural research demonstration and extension group, we're part mm. of the community fabric. So, you know, I could ring, I could, you know, put a notice out and say, okay, we're just going to have a casual catch up, mm. please come along. And I think that just builds on what we're already doing, which is really trying to, you know, increase everybody's engagement and connection. Coming from my perspective, I, I feel like, you know, sometimes grower groups, and I mean, we're a culprit of it as well, certainly in West Midlands, it's, we often forget that, you know, some of those, that entertainment and that community fabric, it's worthwhile having those kind of solely not super research relevant and, and really, you know, focused down on, on, on trial results and events. Having those entertaining events are, are, are really, it's quite important for community fabric and, and, and to create kind of a little bit of growth towards getting a community or a group of interested individuals around another project. Yeah, and that's right, Simon. And often, often if you know, you put a, a project workshop on, people go, well, I'm not really interested in that, so I won't come along. Where it's these mm-hmm. events, everybody comes along. And you can actually talk about some of the trials and projects and you can get quite a lot of really helpful information just in chatting in a more informal way. So they're mm-hmm. always really beneficial, I think. Well, whoever's listening in, I'm sure it's a it's a it's a nice thing to hear that you can you know coming out the back of something so you know so tragic and, and and really hard to work through is is one of the biggest learnings. I guess it's not even a learning. It's not like you weren't doing it already, but it's like a, a confirmation that that working as a community and and doing these kind of mixed events where you do have a level of entertainment in there as well as being able to you know think about some outcomes and maybe some outputs um, from projects. It does it does still work. Yeah, that's right, Simon. I think that's right. And I look and going forward into this year, that I have found that we have had probably the highest engagement in all our mm. events, all our workshops. From you know, this, that I, and I think that's just, just the communities kind of realise or really. I think after COVID as well, the ability to mm. catch up and be face to face is sort of become a much more precious commodity, and people 
people want to do it more. So mm. we've found really good levels of engagement this year. And oh, look, I'm not saying it won't wane, um, <laughs> but at the moment we've, you know, it's been great. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. I, obviously, the the key learning from this wouldn't be you have to have a flood to be able to to be able exactly. to engage with the audience, exactly. which would be a terrible thing to come out of the back of a, a project. But that's perfect for for this portion at the moment. What I want to say is, like from my perspective, it's been really fantastic to be able to dive into the knowledge sharing project uh, monthly meetings and be able to chat with the likes of yourself and other grower groups. And that's been a really great space for sharing our learnings and and growing together as colleagues so to speak so that time's invaluable for me now what would be one of your biggest takeaways from the knowledge sharing project oh look there were so many and I think having that interaction with other grower groups like yourself Simon you know you sort of get stuck in a bit of a rut and you think you you just just get along and you don't think about what you do Mm. but when you actually start talking to other groups you know it's great to see that you can always improve and the other thing I really liked which is you know part of you know, being human, I guess, mm. is to, you know, to, to make light of some of the more um, disastrous activities mm. that happen. You know, like you have a, you do a lot of work and then maybe three people turn up to an event, which is devastating at the time. But it's quite yes. helpful to look back and go, well, you had three, I had two. Yes. <laughs> you think that's that? that. So yeah, I just think, you know, sharing, sharing, yeah, sharing the sort of the, the failures as well as the mm. successes is really important because it just, it just, makes you feel less isolated I think Mm. sometimes in our jobs you know we are isolated you know geographically and also you know from other farming systems groups Mm. so it's really good to see how other farming systems groups work and I've just learned you know really made me think about how we target our audience and really just getting that engagement level making them interested and Mm. and to know that it's you know if, if I'm not getting anybody turning up at something what am I doing that's not not connecting and and mm. really trying to make sure that our projects align with what our what our growers want so mm. i think that's just really reinforced that that's fantastic now we've had a chance to share our findings as a group across the duration of the project obviously in our meetings and we've often talked about how it would be beneficial for scientists and researchers and maybe others that want to engage with farmers to have access you know to the information that we've been talking about so obviously we're going to be sharing this with the broader research community through our knowledge sharing guide so that everyone can benefit from hopefully improved engagement and and the understandings that we've compiled as a group i'm just going to wrap up the conversation now so but what would you say are your top three tips or things to consider for the research community when they want to engage with next users and in our case that's farmers talk to grower groups first as a conduit that's really good like we have growers um (laughs) a plug for grower groups but i think that's really important i think that the source house has been great because it has enhanced and encouraged that connection with Mm. with on the ground growers you know and and grower groups and i think that's really important because there's often a disconnection between what is happening with growers and what researchers are looking at so Mm. we really need to bring researchers and growers together i think that's important um if i was a researcher have genuine engagement and conversations with growers understand their local conditions and understand that what you model might not be 
anything like the local conditions that they're dealing with. So mm. I think it's it's more of a, just a reality check. And I'm not having I'm not being negative about researchers because they're amazing. And I think mm. from growers' perspective, growers don't know what they don't know either. So researchers, you know, can bring them new things and say, look, this is going to be really helpful. So it's a it is it's a two way street. So the more connection we have mm. with growers and researchers, you know, that's the way forward. And I think that's about all I have. Oh, you've covered yeah. more than enough on that point. I really, I really appreciate you jumping on today with me. So thanks for being live with me and having a chat. And on a personal note, thanks a lot for your openness and your insight and your knowledge and support of myself and obviously the Knowledge Sharing Project. It's been an absolute pleasure working with you, Diana, and I hope to work with you in the future. Well, right back at you, Simon. So thank you. No, it's been great. <laughs>